Uh, Brother Nathaniel, would you read 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 19? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? How many of us know that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? But the Word of God says anyway. Brother Jesse, Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. How is the Holy Ghost going to connect these dots? We'll find out here in a moment. May we stand for the reading of our text tonight. The book of Ezra, the fifth chapter, reading the second and the third verse. The Bible said, Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadok, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God, helping them. Thank God for working preachers. At the same time came to them Tatanai, governor, on this side the river, and Shetharabazoni and their companions, and said thus unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? Heavenly Father, we love and we praise you. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house. We pray for the anointing of the Lord. We can only preach if you be present to help us deliver this word of God, that that you've dealt with our hearts about preaching to this people. Set a guard at my mouth and help me to say only the things you would have me to say, nothing more or less. Anoint the ears of this thy people that they might hear what the Spirit saith unto this church tonight through this preach word, God, allowing these saints to go down deep into their heart, going below the shoulders. May we not be hearers only, but doers of the word. We don't want to deceive ourselves, God. And may we depart this place joyfully rather than sorrowfully. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're being seated, then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. At the same time came to them Tatanai, governor on this side the river, and Shetharbosni, and their companions, and said thus unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house? and to make up this wall. Our text tonight is found in an Old Testament book of the Holy Bible, the book of Ezra. This title bears the name of its author. This man Ezra was a priest and a scribe. More than likely, he was a descendant of Aaron, Moses' brother. A lot of the Bible scholars in our ranks and among us here tonight would recognize the name of Aaron. He is of the tribe of Levi. He's a brother to Moses. He's that man that God chose specifically to represent the priesthood among the people of Israel. And this man, Aaron, was a very special man for he was the first chief priest to stand before Moses and the congregation that lived in the wilderness and that went in and out of the tabernacle. All oh, the things that Moses and Aaron witnessed, wonderful things and worrisome things at the same time. If you'll look at verse number three of our text here tonight, there is a phrase at the beginning of verse number three, and it says, at the same time. Time then came Tatanai. And so I believe that at the same time as God was blessing Moses and the children of Israel, they witnessed wonderful things and worrisome things. I want to preach a message tonight the Holy Ghost has titled The Same Game. In recent weeks, I preached a message titled The Blame Game. I might get tripped up tonight and while preaching say The Blame Game instead of the same game. But again, the first part of verse number three of our text here tonight, it says at the same time. So at the same time, Aaron and Moses would have witnessed people being obedient while others were being disobedient. At the same time, Ezra would have witnessed the wonderful things of God and also watched worrisome things develop as he was a priest 
overseeing these things that were taking place at this time. And so I believe that both Moses and Aaron and Ezra would have said that sometimes good things happen while at other times bad things happen at the same time. How many of you know that the Bible says it rains on the just? And the unjust, it brings showers of blessing upon the righteous soul. And at the same time, showers of blessing fall down upon the unrighteous soul. Sister Hammond said it tonight, that even when she was lost and dead and trespasses and sin, that God was mindful of her lowest state. And as a little girl, the Spirit of God drew her to truth and righteousness. And for that, we're so thankful. And how many of you know? concerning our nation there are good things and bad things happening simultaneously not one after another but at the same time the fact of the matter is that Ezra did not allow his circumstances to control him even though good and bad things were happening at the same time no he did not lose control of his spiritual senses despite the current circumstances it seems that he let the difficult circumstances in his life serve as a catalyst for advancement into better situations. You see at some point Ezra decided to lead some of his countrymen back to the homeland. They had been living in exile long enough. Before Ezra led this band of men out of this land where Artaxerxes served as ruler and he led them back into their homeland. There had been a group that came out at the hand of Zerubbabel and Zerubbabel had went over there into to the land of the promised land into the land of the countrymen and he went over there to rebuild the temple of the Lord and some 60 years went by and Esther served as queen under Artaxerxes during this time and after 60 long years this priest and scribe Ezra decided that somebody else needs to leave with a band of people. It's not nearly as an exciting time as when Moses and Aaron walked out of the land of Egypt with all of the children of Israel. In fact, the Bible teaches us that at this time when Zerubbabel made his exit that only a few would go with him in an endeavor to rebuild the temple. Again, 60 years later, Brother Ezra decides that he too must do something. It is not to rebuild the temple, but it is to bring a reformation among the people of God and to excite a spiritual revival. This is a man that believes that this is a time of new beginnings, of new happenings. And there are things that are taking place as he, as the revivalist is spotting this revival, as the Spirit of God has moved now. And he's back home with only a remnant or the residue of what used to be present at this place. And only a handful accompanied him at this time. And so I thought about all the the other people that stayed back in the land of Babylon. All those people, Brother Nathaniel, at the same time when Zerubbabel was making his exit and 60 years later when Ezra was making his exit, at the same time while people were walking out of sinful places, while people were traveling to the promised land, there were some that said, no, I'm not going to go. There's some that said, I'm going to stay right here. I'm I mean, I'm telling you, it's very disturbing and alarming to me to realize that some people, when given the opportunity for personal embitterment or for personal revival, they elect not to go. How many of you know that God is a gentleman and God does not force anybody to do anything against the real? There's been times that somebody like Orpah decides that she's not going to go with Naomi. 
while at the same time, at the same moment, there's a young woman named Ruth saying, I'm gonna go. Listen, there's about 60 people in this building tonight, and I don't know where we're all at mentally. I'm not altogether sure where we're at physically. I know that it appears that you're here in body, but I don't know where you're at at the same time as your brother and sister is receiving the word of God. At the same time as the preacher is preaching from the word of God. You see, Ezra decided that I've got to lead some of my countrymen back to the homeland that belongs to us. We've been living in exile long enough. For 70 long years, the Jews had been living in captivity. They had not been held there against their will for a while. Why did they find themselves there? For disobedience to the law of God and for their worship, to their failure to worship him in spirit and in truth. I know that Ezra had heard about Zerubbabel leading some home. He had heard about the construction of the temple back home in the land of Israel. But Ezra got stirred up himself. This exodus did not take place at the same time as whenever the man Zerubbabel had made his exodus. No, but now it's taken place and no doubt there were others that had an opportunity to get a ticket and to get in that caravan and make their tracks home. How many of you know that we've got a revival coming up and I'm excited about the revival. One is saying I'm excited that I'm going to do everything I can to be in attendance, to pray in the fast, and to believe God's going to help me. At the same time, there'll be somebody uttering under their breath, oh no, I'm too busy for revival. How could I make it? I don't think I'll be there. You see, Ezra was getting stirred up, and he led his own man back into the promise land. Their purpose to build more than a temple. It's good that Zerubbabel had provided a temple and our work has ceased at this time. But Ezra looks beyond the building and he realizes that the nation needs revival. How many of you know that it's good that our church houses are open again? It's good that we've got houses of worship. But what our nation needs is an Ezra to walk on the scene and say it's good that you've got houses to worship in but you need the God of yesterday and the God of today and the God of tomorrow. Listen if he's the God of yesteryear he's the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm expecting a revival. Yes in this end time I'm expecting God to open up the windows of glory and pour out a blessing upon this church. I want it at the same time. I pray that somebody's not saying I don't want it. So Ezra got stirred up and he's headed back to revival. And you know what, Brother Jesse? He was looking for a place where they could worship God in spirit and in truth. He realized that that temple of itself could become an idol. In fact, Brother Sterrett, there was a time that Jesus called some special apostles to travel with him during his earthly ministry. And after they left that beautiful temple, they spun on their heels and they said, Master, look at this beautiful temple. And Jesus said, there will not be one stone sitting upon another. You can make an idol out of the house of God. I've seen people idolize the ministry. I've seen preachers without an anointing idolize the performance within the pulpit and they become puppeteers. I've seen musicians idolize the music programs within the house of God. I've seen people sit in the pew and they made idols out of those people that work in the church. The young men just kind of mesmerize themselves and they think about what would 
it be like to preach like that? What would it be like to be in that position? What would it be like to play like that? Oh, they make idols for the people within the temple. You see, Ezra was not pointing the worship at himself, although he is a reformer. And he is spearheading this great spiritual reformation. What about the aforementioned character we read about in our text? You know, Zerubbabel. This man is a man that God had also put it in his heart to do something for God. Most importantly, to build the house of God in Jerusalem. You can't just build a church anywhere you want to build it. You've got to build it in the right place. So Rimmel could have took a detour and tried to build it, Brother Jeremiah, in a place where it would not have been targeted by the enemy, but he built it in the place that God had ordained for him to build it in. We will remember the desire of King David's heart was to build a house of God, a place for God to work among the people in. David looked at his own household and the blessings that God had given him and he felt so bad about not having something even greater for God to call the house of God you know David was on track with that heart's desire for in fact in the book of Haggai there was a man that was anointed of God and he was a preacher and you know what he done he chastised and scolded people for not building a house of God. In fact, I was anointed when he preached and he said your negligence to build a house for God is going to bring judgment to your life. How many people are negligent when it comes to building up the temple? The inspiration for this sermon tonight is this. As we left the building this morning, I got out there on the road and somebody turned on that song. I'm working on a building. Now, if you've got Pentecostal bones in your body at all, you can hear the first verse of that song and start feeling spiritual. If you've been in the prayer closet and prayed until you're bubbling over in the Holy Ghost, when they say a pie was a drunkard, I tell you what I'd do. I'd stop all my drinking and I'd work on a building too. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. You know what that song, it will light the fire. I said it will get the juices flowing. It will get the Holy Ghost blood moving. And I know here tonight that we're approaching revival. Are we revival ready? This world talks about being rapture ready. But are we revival ready? I'm asking you here tonight, are you revival ready? So many play the same game. It's not the blame game. It's the same game. It's okay to come to revival service after revival service and seek the Holy Ghost year after year after year after year. That's good. But I see people at camp meetings. They're the same people getting saved every year. They're using the same preacher. And the preacher talked to me behind the church in the darkness of night. And he said, I feel like I spin my wheels here and wasted my time. I told the pastor not to call me back. But he said, it's like the pastor just wants to use my name. He said, he's had the same preacher for 20-something years. He said, I pled with him to get the mind of God and to find the man of the hour. I'm not looking for the same game. I know it's more than a game. It is spiritual warfare. In fact, 
there was a time, Brother Jesse, that some of the greatest generals that the land of Israel ever knew began to play the men. Abner, the leader of the army of Israel, and Joab, the leader of David's army, they got together and had a meeting. And at some point they said, let's play the young men one against another. Abner told Joab, let's play the young men one against another. Make them stand up and make them fight. You know what Joab said? Let's play the game. I wonder how many times they had played the same game. You think about it. These two generals see them as just pawns on a chessboard. Indispensable warriors. But that's somebody's daddy. I said, that's somebody's son. This ain't no game. I understand that. But I'm telling you, some of us make warfare into a game. Joab said, let them arise. And somebody lost their life that day. Somebody lost their life that day. And you know, there came a time that Abner and Joab decided to play the same game. Instead of it being the young people playing church and duking it out and fighting it out and losing their life, now these two generals are playing a game one with another. And it's a deceptions game. It's a deceiver's game. And old Abner come over there, the one that had told Joab, let's play the game. You know, Abner, the leader of Israel, Saul's general, and Joab, he's the leader of the armies of Judah, and he's David's general. And old Abner, the smart aleck, the sacrificed all them young men's blood. He comes over there to that general, Joab, and he begins to talk to him. And the Bible said that Joab reached over here in the scabbard and he plunged a sword into the bosom of Abner after he grabbed his beard and saying that he was going to give him a broke man's kiss. Are y'all listening to me as I preach here in this building? When the devil plays, he plays for keeps. This is a game that I'm not wanting to play. This is a game that you're not needing to play. I feel like this revival is strategic in somebody's life. It will be during this revival that you make a strategic move in your life that will gain you security in the arms of God. Oh, come on now. I feel a preacher in this building. I realize that this warfare and a spiritual conflict is not a game. But you know what? People come to church as though it's a day. Same game. Same game. I know how it goes. We're going to clap at about this rate. We're going to stand up and look like robots. Nobody like me. There's nobody going through what I'm going through. There's nobody. Listen, we're all going through something. Everybody's going through something. I look out over this congregation to see the elders of this church and I'm proving the details of their life that some of you don't have a clue about. And I can tell you it's nothing but the grace of God that they are present in this building right here tonight. It's nothing but the goodness and the grace of God. You know what these elders are doing. They said it might have been 60 years ago when Zerubbabel he built the temple of God but we've got to have a movement I said we've got to have a reformation movement of young people 60 years later there will be a fire for God oh I know the game we'll have a good service get out early and go to McDonald's and we'll fellowship you're seeing it as a game you're seeing it as a game 
when you can't stand up and testify and say God has been good when you hesitate to stand up and say I can tell you the place I can show you that very spot I can tell you the time when the Lord saved me by his amazing grace you know what it lets me know you're flying the devil's flag because you cannot testify and say I remember that night that I was lost and he found me I remember that night the spirit of God drawn me I was seeking him and I found him I'm telling you at the same testimony service at the same time there's somebody testified somebody has been full of the spirit of God and at the same time there's somebody in that worship service Holy haze in this building. Ezra got stirred up for himself. This is what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know what? I cannot build a temple like Zerubbabel built. I cannot build a temple like Solomon built. I cannot build a temple like so many have built. But there is something I can work on. I'm working on a building. It's right here. It was brought into this world on June the 4th, 1976. And God spoke to my heart like he did the prophet Haggai. And he said, don't be negligent in rebuilding that temple. We know what the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the church at Corinth said. Our brother read it. Apostle Paul started out that sixth chapter 19 verse with this. What? Question mark. Can I say it again? What? Question mark. The Apostle Paul said, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. I can see to it tonight. Not wait for the revival. Tonight I've got a better attitude. I can see to it tonight that I've got a testimony. If you've come here from another church, you shouldn't even stand the same way you stood in the land of your nativity. You shouldn't even stand in this temple the way you stood in the land of your captivity. I don't care how they get it in the land of your nativity or in the land of your captivity. Free people are free. The Bible says, who the Son has made free is free indeed. You know what Zerubbabel and Yeshua were doing? They were building up the temple. I can control what's going on in here. But you know, the scripture said, I'm not my own because I've been bought with a price, a great price. I've never seen a generation more obsessed with self-improvement. This is a body-conscious world. I mean, they've got shapewear that accentuates things that doesn't need any additional attention. They've got diet plans and programs and pills and all this stuff. I mean, it's the body conscious generation, but they don't seem to understand that the Bible said to fear him that can destroy both soul and body in hell. There is so much concern about physical appearance and physical condition. Even the liberal world calls it fat shaming when somebody criticizes somebody for their lack of discipline. In church, I want to fat the church of a living God. Eli was fat and sassy and did not have time for God. You wouldn't find Eli fasting and praying. He wasn't a reformationist. You know one of the signs of a true reformer is somebody that fasts for about 10 years until people come to them and say, you need to eat something. You look like a casualty or the consequence itself of the Holocaust. You look like somebody that's been living in a prison camp. Sister Hal drug out some pictures the other day and she handed me some of them pictures when I was so skinny from fasting and praying so many times during the week and I was 
almost embarrassed to look at myself because I looked so frail. I knew what I was before I got saved. I had an athletic body. I was fit. But Brother Jeremiah, when you get to be after the heart of God, and you start pursuing God, you love it more than your necessary food. You love it more than anything else. You start working on that beard and see a sign. When are some of our young men going to come in church? And you can tell they've been with God. They don't even have to testify that they got in the Holy Ghost out there at the prayer stump. You can tell when they're singing that they've been singing all day long. You can tell as soon as the Holy Ghost begins to move, they're up on their feet, whether they're playing an instrument or not. You can tell they've been in the presence of God. Listen, when Jacob began to wrestle with the angel of the Lord, it was not the same game that he had been playing with Esau. I know he had been through deception trying to outwit and outgun Esau, but he found somebody who was not playing a game. Are you listening right here? You're not too smart for God, and you're not too smart for the Holy Ghost. The Bible said that Jacob realized it was not a game. And he wrestled with the Lord until the break of the day. It's not just a little game. Let's all go to our forest and look at the cow killers. Do y'all even know what they are? They're big, giant, jumbo ants. And if they sting you, you won't have no problem participating in prayer meeting. In fact, we're going to ask Pastor to ask the entire church to pray for you. How do you know? Because I've been stung by one, poked or pricked or whatever you want to call it, by one on the old big toe, clearing some property. And I laid in the back of my mama's Cadillac Seville. And I thought I was going to meet Jesus. And I was pretty tough. I mean, I could just about cut my finger off and just keep on working. But Brother Jesse, there was something about the sting and the poison that went into my big toe. I said, oh, I can't make it, Mama. I can't live, Mama. Hey, I'm talking about how many people in this building here tonight are going to get past playing games. I feel like God's going to help somebody. Do you not realize what a blessing it is to walk with a Holy Ghost in your bosom. I could tell after this church got done praying before church and I heard them speaking with Cardinal Silas's. I knew they'd been in the presence of God. But I can tell they had Holy Ghost flowing in their veins. They didn't care what was going on in Russia because they had somebody with them. How many people are negligent, negligent, negligent? You know, the Bible said, Brother Jesse, that they were all drinking and eating and having merriment in the time of Noah. At the same time, though, that the man is preaching, judgment is looming on the horizon. They're unable to see it, but judgment is about to begin. At the same time, in the days of Lot, while he's just narrowly escaping, he's losing his family at the gates of Sodom and Gomorrah. At the same time, as he vexes his righteous soul, he's losing his children. How many people have you witnessed in the house of God? Dally with things, and while the world is singing, while they're making merriment, while they're eating and drinking without God, you're losing your children. When the Holy Ghost is moving, at the same time, when the third part of the Godhead. When he's moving in a service, I see our children, not in this church so much. It has been a time in our church. But whenever the Holy Ghost is moving, at the same time, the first phrase of our text, verse number three, at the same time, while Zerubbabel and Jeshua was trying to build, 
there's somebody causing a disturbance. And there's somebody asking questions. Hey, I'm not talking about somebody saying, Mama, what is that? This moving in the service. What is that going on down there at the altar? I'm talking about the frequent trips in and out of the building. The times of disappearance. Hey, come on, it's like we've got UTIs and bladder infections at the same time. While the Spirit of God is drawing somebody to the altar, somebody else is gravitating around the water fountain. Isn't it interesting? The white cars are pulling roof. Orpah's getting thrown away. Oh, you ain't getting this at the same time. While somebody's praying through to the Holy Ghost, somebody is losing out. I've never seen a generation more obsessed with self-improvement but neglects their soul. This generation is quick to say, Brother Dylan, don't put too much salt on the potato chips at lunch. Why is that, they say? Because I've got high blood pressure. Oh, my God. But they're so hesitant and reluctant to throw things out of their house and perfect them. Perfect. Should I not use that word? I might as well use it. Perfect themselves in holiness under God. Is there something wrong with sanctifying yourself according to the word of God? Sanctifying yourself through the word of God. Sanctifying yourself by washing yourself with the water of the word. Do you realize that people should make cleaning up their temple, cleaning up their construction site a number one priority? I believe there's a runnable would allow things to sink in that this house is the most important house. That's why I'm never irreverent in the house of God. That's why I'm not taking phone calls in the middle of preaching. At the same time, while the preacher's anointed, you take a phone call. At the same time, while the choir is singing under the anointed of the Holy Ghost, being divinely inspired and influenced, you're putting on a fresh coat of fake up or uh, lipstick. At the same time, some of us are trying to cleanse our souls and our spirits. And the Bible said, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. There's some of you going out the building and don't even get out of the churchyard before you're done defiled your spirit. You learned so much of mine. I'm telling you why you're so obsessed with self-improvement, but you neglect your soul. Are we careful what we do in the temple? Are we careful what we do in the house of God? Are we careful what we do in the temple? I believe Zerubbabel and Solomon and these other temple builders would say, you can't treat this like your house. In fact, Apostle Paul, speaking to the early church, he said, you've got houses to eat in and you've got houses to drink in. You don't come to the house of God. At the same time, somebody's drinking from that living fountain. This ain't my house and this ain't my patio. This is God's house. You can drink on my patio. You don't have to drink alcoholic beverages. You can clean up your refrigerator. You can clean up your house. Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Jesus allows for us to get drunk. It's a different game. Yes, he does. He allows you to get drunk. He sure does. He said, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be drunk in the spirit. That's what he said. Be filled in the spirit. What he's saying is, it's all you can drink. Holy Ghost on tap. And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious or blasphemous here. I'm telling you, God has got a spiritual high that the Bible author wrote like this. He lifted us up in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what? There is no remorse and there is no regret for coming in a God's house and being lifted up with a spiritual high. Zerubbabel would tell you to clean up that temple, clean up that construction site, clean up the inside before you 
playing up the outside. It's quiet here right now, but I'm going to tell you, there's people within our holiness movements, they can't shout. Within our Pentecostal movement, they can't shout because at the same time, they've got a spiritual sickness that is a loathsome disease. Do you know that the Bible said that the children of Israel, while wandering in the wilderness, were so covetous, so covetous for meat. At the same time, it's raining manna out of heaven. They're wanting something else, Sister Hammond. we got to have meat. You see, God is feeding them with heavenly manna, Brother Nathaniel, but at the same time, they want something else. You know the difference in some of you and some of the others in this building is you are content to feast at the house of God and you've got no desire to go out there and feast on social media and a feast on the television and a feast in this world. Oh, come on now. I'm telling you, there are people that want to be blessed at the same time as they're blessed by the world. You know what the Bible said? God gave them their request. But at the same time, he sent them leanness unto their soul. You want a mouthful of quail? That's fine. But at the same time, you're going to lose something in here. You thought your temple was clean and pure and holy in the place of the Most High God. But you're going to get leanness where you were hungry physically and had an appetite for meat. Oh, come on. Now in your soul, spiritually, you're going to be craving. You're going to be hungry. And you're going to be thirsty. There's going to be a void in your soul. I'm telling somebody, you better wake up and realize we're not playing a game. But with you, it's the same game. The Bible said that while the meat that God gave them was betwixt their teeth, the anger of God moved against them. At the same time, they got their present from God. At the same time, they took a bite out of that leg of quail. God put meanness in their soul. And then while they have the bite in their mouth, the Bible said the anger of the Lord rose up against them. Why? Because they were covetous of something that he didn't desire to give them. And you know this is why I believe in a free will of God. He'll let you do whatever you want to do. He'll let you defile your temple. He'll let you drink whatever you want to drink. He'll let you eat whatever you want to eat. He'll let you drug however you want to drug. But that does not mean that God is not getting upset with your sin. The Bible said that God is angry with a sinner every day. You know why? Because God gave you that temple that's supposed to be purified. Supposed to be sanctified. It's not supposed to be full of idolatry. There's a few of you spiritual right now. There's some of you as spiritual as a rock. The same game. Holy Ghost gets to moving, you stand with the same posture, stay in the same position, in the same place. You ain't no different than you were when you came here. You haven't changed a thing about you. Your character hasn't changed, your attitude hasn't changed, your behaviors hasn't changed. It's just the same game in a different place. It don't matter where you put the chessboard at. If you pull out the components of that church, that chessboard, it's still chess. It doesn't matter if you play it in Russia or if you play it in the state of Florida within the United States. It don't matter where you play church. You're playing church. You can play it in the land of your nativity and captivity or you can play it in the land of the promise. I wonder how many people took seriously that we were building a temple. So we will face somebody as he's trying to build the temple, somebody walked on that construction site and asked a stupid question. Who said there's no such thing as stupid questions? We stand up, will God fill me with the Holy Ghost? Will God save me? Oh, I don't feel worthy. Oh, I'm not coming to revival. 
Sister Ginn sought the Holy Ghost up until she was 90. It was no game for her. She didn't lay out a revival. She didn't tell somebody she wasn't going because she was weary and well doing. It was during one of the revival services after she's nearly 100 years old or so. She prayed through the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you something. Revival was no game to Sister Ginn's. And revival should be no game to anybody in this building. I'm not waiting on Brother Ray Ashley to get here. You're not going to get anything because you got some of the finest preaching on the man right here. It's the same game. I told the Lord why the Holy Ghost was moving tonight. I said, God, it'd be good to see him clap in the spirit. It'd be good to see him read for joy. It'd be good to see him make a run. You know what Tom said? He said, you got to preach to him what I sent you to preach to him. They're playing the same game. Stand up back in the preacher the same way. But get outside and immediately they're saying things they know they should not say. They're doing things they know they should not do. You know what? This man that come on the scene at the same time, in the same moment in history, while they're building the house of God, this man comes on the scene to be a distractor. It's a young man you have decided to do something for God. Yes, but what about that other man at the same service right now, the same message? Has he decided to listen to deceivers, distractors, and or Delilah? Huh? Oh, the Holy Ghost. You know, the Bible said that at the same time we can bless men, and at the same time we can try to bless God, at the same time we can curse men. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you right here, here tonight, that God's talking to somebody. You're not going to stand there talking to a young man. And you're not going to demand the attention of the revivalist and the pastor and some of the people and pull our attention away so that we cannot focus on somebody else. Suddenly the clock strikes 12 o'clock, that first Sunday morning of revival, and now you're serious. I'm going to prophesy to you. You ain't going to get a thing that ain't no Yes, they're playing the game. When I fasted as a young man in my early 20s, I said I fasted when nobody was around, when nobody saw my efforts and labors and love. I got it for my Jesus. I'm not talking about somebody that's been frequenting fire forest or somebody that's struggling or fighting a good fight. I'm talking about somebody that all of a sudden gets spiritual. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It don't matter how long you've been in the holiness church. It doesn't matter who your parents are. God's going to replace some. Well, are you saying I'm going to be replaced? That's who I'm preaching to right now. People that play the same mind games. People that play the same game. Service after service. We sang it this morning. We have been so blessed. God's been good to us. I'm telling you, I don't know why he saved us, but he did. And he deserves to be praised. I said he deserves to be praised. Walk backwards and shout that dead. I've never praised God before. That better change. I said that better change. I don't want to clap like an Egyptian. I don't want to clap like a Babylonian. I said it a little while ago. The exodus out of Babylon was not nearly as glorious as that one that come out of Egypt. Not everybody wanted to go. 
at the same time while God was calling some in, some was going out. You ever see somebody backslide in revival? I've been seeing people send testimonies to some of you, and they've been saying to preacher, but Brother Howe is changing me. It's altering my life. What about that one or two I'm preaching to tonight? Is it changing your life at the same time? Are you numb to it? Are you past feet? Well, I'm just going to quit. That's the game I'm talking about right there. Because if I couldn't feel it, I'd pray till I could. I'd fast until I could. You can't play that game with me. I'm not going to hell for nobody. I said, I'm not going to hell for nobody. I just as soon sit down there by the river and wait for one of them big river beasts to come up and eat me than to go to hell. It comes off to service and you get in that position you're so comfortable in. You make sure you rest that forehead just right in the crook of your arm so that you can be comfortable. You make sure you swing that hip and knee into the right position so you can almost go to sleep rather than pray. I've seen people in the mirror in Bible, people supposed they were praying and getting lost in the spirit. And after sitting there for 20 minutes, I said, go wake them up. I'm not talking about in this church, but other churches where pastors are Soon somebody was praying, they were sleeping. At the same time, Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. At the same time, after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, the tempter came to him. You said, why am I fighting the way I've been fighting? And struggling the way I've been struggling. I've been doing everything I can to get better. The Bible said to Jesus, let the Holy Ghost and doing everything he could to get anointed. He is faced with a devil with three temptations. First, turn these stones into bread. Second, to rebuild your strength and power prematurely. And thirdly and finally, worship Satan. Are you listening right here in this building? I'm telling you, yes, the devil's tempted you, and you've got to fight against it. The Bible said you've got to resist the devil after submitting yourself to God. Know what Jesus responded with it is written the first time temptation came turn these stones into bread it is written the second time the devil tried to get him to exalt himself and reveal his strength and power prematurely by sending angels legions of angels to rescue him before he hit the ground and splattered huh? and thirdly fall down and worship me Three temptations. But you know what the Bible said in some of them latter verses? At the same time. At the same time of being led of the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. At the same time of fasting like he had never fasted before. Here come Lucifer himself. At the same time. I've seen God going to do something great in the lives of people. Young men and young women, moms and dads. And because the devil come in the middle of them earnestly, fervently seeking the Lord. And they had a fight with the devil. They assumed that they were doomed forever. But if they had just agonized in prayer and held on to the words and the promises of God. The Bible said that Jesus exited that wilderness and that testing, that trial, that period of temptation 
expectation endued with great power and with the anointing of the Holy Ghost the Bible said when he walked into the villages the demons fleed from his presence and blinded eyes were open could it be you're on the brink of something great happening in your life and you choose to backslide at the same time I'm telling you right here in this building tonight it's time for revival and I'm not talking about waiting until Monday night at 7pm I'm talking about we should be having it and we have been having it right here tonight and out of about 60 people probably 57 people rejoiced and shouted and thanked God but there were some of you still standing like wooden Indians I'm working on the building. I'm working on my centricities. I'm talking about you speaking in your stead. I've been working on myself a long time. But do you know, you and your centricities, you teach your children how to be eccentric in the slightest way. What you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. And you teach yourself to be recluse and buck the system and rebel against the pastor, rebel against the preacher, rebel against the Spirit of God, refuse to move when the Lord gets ready. You just say, I'm eccentric, I'm backwards, I'm bashful. Your child will never develop until you first break out of that shell, Mama here. Now that's deep preaching. I need to repeat that. Do you not realize that your eccentricities... You know, I've heard people say before, I'm socially awkward. Well, you better stutter until you learn how to carry on a conversation or you're going to have monsters for children. I said, you're going to have monsters for children. We need to try to improve ourselves. I said, we need to try to improve ourselves. Who wants to be the hunchback of Notre Dame? Y'all know that I realized as a young man I was bent over like this. Just like this right here. All the fasting and all the praying and all the humbling and, and my body gets weak. I had started bending over like this. And I had a natural hump forming in my back. And one day I looked in the mirror and I said, Jeremy, how? You ain't fasting and praying as much. I still fast and pray quite a bit. But not nearly as much to the point that my physical body and the muscle mass is released of my structural frame. And I'm just walking humbly and sick and frail from fasting. And I realize, you know, pull these shoulders in. I realize it's time to square them shoulders. And I started walking around and it hurt. Well, I was keeping that spine straight. Mr. Sister Howe, you remember me standing in front of the mirror? and said, straighten it up, boy. Because I didn't want to be one of them people one day that's walking into Ace Hardware like this. I saw a man going into Ace Hardware only 60 years of age walking like that out of sight. Oh, no, ma'am, and no, sir. That's not going to be me. You can change some things if you want to change them. I'm telling you, if you don't shake yourself, you're going to make a monster. I preached it this morning. We reap what we sow. Now we should be blowing the top of this building off by now. But I'm on two or three. And some of you are so afraid to move. I've got seven or eight in the Holy Ghost. We've been crying, lost in the Spirit. But, but you know what? At the same time, the Christ is being led of the Spirit. The tempter came. And at the same time, he's being tempted by Lucifer. The same time. The same time. Well, I'm going to wait on revival when Brother so-and-so gets here. When Brother Jeremy Howe gets here. When Brother Ray Asher gets here. Brother Tony Stedham gets here. I'm going to wait on that. The same game. Can't we all go to youth camp? What, let you be molested? What, let a counterfeit something move on you? Nothing. We can get it right here. We can get it right here. You heard these elders testify tonight talking about getting saved in the bedroom. You know the Holy Ghost comes in the bedrooms too? 
I got news for you. The Holy Ghost comes in the living rooms, too. Right in the middle of a gallbladder attack, and I'm going to end on this note. My wife thought she's having a heart attack. It was a gallbladder attack, turned out. She thought she was leaving this world. Two young people in their early 20s embracing one another, wondering why she can't find relief. And finally, I got out of bed, took the bottle of oil, and went in there and prayed for her. And she stood under that ceiling fan. How old were you, brother? In my early 20s. I, I wasn't playing pool on a cell phone. I wasn't on YouTube. I wasn't on YouTube, man. I'm telling you, I took the bottle of oil. And went in there and prayed for my wife. And I said, Enough is enough. And prayed for her. And the power of God fell. And she got the Holy Ghost. What are you doing, sucker? Same Bible, but at the same time, you know what this tells me? 